song in uh, Ferris Dealer's Day Off when he's off on the fence. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is Justin Smith of Palmetto Coast Exotics. And this is Jacob Bratz with JLB Morelia and you're listening to the Herpeticulture Podcast. So, hello everybody, once again, this is episode 45 of the Herpeticulture Podcast, I'm Justin Smith of Palmetto Exotics. And I'm Jacob Rotz, J.O.B. Morelia. We're going to run through this week's Fish Head Diagnostics Question of the Week before we grab Riley Jimison of Riley Rep- Riley's Reptiles to uh, join us for Riley's Revenge. So this week's question is, how long can viruses live on a surface and what is it that causes them to quote-unquote die? And the good team at Fishhead says, To start us off, we would like to say this is a great question. The environmental longevity of nidovirus is currently unknown. However, with funds generated by the 2019 Southeast Carpet Fest, several researchers are looking into this question. To answer this question, we need to understand a few characteristics of viruses. These include their protective mechanisms, genetic makeup, and resistance to the genetic material to mutation, resistance of the genetic material to mutation. Let's start with enveloped versus non-enveloped viruses. A non-enveloped virus, also called a quote-unquote naked virus, is lacking a viral envelope, whereas enveloped viruses have a specialized envelope of phospholipids that can do things like help it hide from the host's immune system. However, these enveloped viruses are more sensitive to environmental factors than a non-enveloped naked virus. You're naked. Envelope viruses and reptiles like nidoviruses, herpes viruses, pox viruses, paramyxoviruses, retroviruses, arenaviruses, and flaviviruses can remain infectious on surface for, sh- for a short period of time, such as a few days, depending on the virus and environmental conditions. Environmental factors like temperature, pH, sunlight, and disinfectants can easily disrupt the envelope of these viruses since their envelope is really to help interact with a host and not necessarily protect them from said environment. The hardier non-enveloped viruses such as iridoviruses, ranoviruses, adenoviruses can survive for extended periods on surfaces. Think of them as naked and not afraid. Even though they are called naked, non-enveloped viruses have a very resistant viral capsid protecting them from the environment. The next factor that must be considered when looking at environmental stability is the composition of of the virus genetic material. Is it an RNA or a DNA virus? Most DNA viruses have a double strand of genetic code versus an RNA virus, which usually has a single stranded genetic code. 
DNA viruses use their double-stranded genetic material similar to that of an animal host, similar to an animal host would to combine the viral DNA into the host cell. The DNA virus will insert their genetic code into the membrane of the host and then replication happens in the nucleus. Due to their complexity, DNA viruses have lower levels of mutation, which means they are more stable and have a lower chance of spontaneously changing the genetic code leading to death of the virus or change in ability to cause disease in the host. The RNA viruses have a higher rate mutation and their replication happens in the cytoplasm. The RNA viruses can change and evolve more rapidly than DNA viruses, however, many of these mutations can be lethal to the virus and lead to viral death instead of disease in the host. So what kills NIDO virus on surfaces, or what kills viruses on surfaces, I'm sorry. I got NIDO on the brain. Environmental factors like high or low temperatures, sunlight or UV light, and changes in pH can kill a virus depending on the structures we discussed earlier, such as being enveloped or non-enveloped and an RNA versus DNA virus. Also, disinfectants can have differing efficacy against viruses depending on their mode of action, ability to be deactivated by organic material, and concentration. We had a great question a few weeks ago on what disinfectants does fish head diagnostics recommend. In that post, there was a great chart on what disinfectants are good for viruses. Thank you for tuning in, and see some of the links below for more information. As always, share knowledge and not Nido. I will be sure to post these links. <laughs> Um, that chart is on, should be bo on both our Facebook and our Instagram. I know it's on our Instagram for sure. So scroll through some previous posts and it will be there. <clears throat> but thank you again, Pia, Dr. Suzanne, for everything you do, for sponsoring the show. Huge thanks. Teaching us about these gnarly little bugs. All that good stuff. That was actually a question I thought of the other day. I was like, because I was cleaning tubs and I was in like my quarantine stuff, and I was like, man, it's like, I wonder how long. Like, because so, some of the tubs I don't use anymore, mm -hmm. and I was like, I disinfected them, but like if I put a snake in there now, even though it's been empty for three months, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. I was like, could it still get whatever was in there? And that's could when I was like, man, I should ask Pia that. And I was yeah, like, they'll know. Yeah. So, Zing. Zing. All right. Let's get Jemison on. Hold on a second. How goes it, gentlemen? What's going on, doggy? Not much. Just uh, got home from working at the shop and settling down to a, a nice cold beer. Nice. Hey. Nice. What kind of beer? <laughs> uh, tonight is, uh, well, I'm finishing the last of my Lagunitas IPAs, which I know you hate. I do um, hate IPAs, and I don't care who knows Yeah, it. I'm with Justin on that one. I don't like IPAs was, at all. You know, I was actually amazed that so many people agree with me. I was sure that I was going to get oh, my yeah. ass chewed. Yeah, I thought for sure when I saw I your like, post. man, I'm, I'm ready. So he's toast. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of them, but there are definitely some that I've had where I'm like, ooh, that's, that's a little too far you know, past what I like. But um, no, I, I, that's usually my go-to. And then uh, on the way here, I stopped and picked up more because I knew I was going to run out. And so that one, I picked up a pale ale, but it's also a Lagunitas. It's their Citrus Sinensis, and it's just really light and refreshing for Sounds this time fancy. of year. It's like 90 degrees. Eh, you know, you got to gotta do what you got to do to make yourself feel like uh, 
like a you gotta big ball, ball out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get your ten dollar <laughs> six pack. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. All right. So are we? Are we going yet? We are going. We are going. Well, welcome everybody. No, not really. Are we actually are we going there? We messes? are. Dude, we've oh, been okay. going for a minute thirty-two. Oh, okay. Well, everybody, <laughs> oh as God. we said before, uh, this this week Riley Jimison from Riley's Reptiles will be joining us. Welcome, Riley. Riley's once again. Revenge. Yes. <laughs> we've been playing. We like as soon as we finished the last episode with you last year, we're like, we gotta have Riley on. It's gonna be Riley's Revenge. Revenge. Yeah, it took long enough. Oh but, man. But here we are. Man, it's been almost a year. I has it know, been a year I'm gonna since... look it up because I I meant to. Earlier. I mean, we only did a couple episodes. Maybe just it's, us. it's coming up on a year. I think it's coming up on here, yeah. You don't know anything. I don't know. I, I don't even remember what I did last week, so yeah, it's all I good. I don't remember what I had for breakfast. Well, so Since I'm constantly <laughs> like uploading stuff and seeing things constantly, it's, uh, it says 10 months ago. So yeah, coming up on a year. Wow. Does it give crazy. me an actual date? Time flies when you're having fun. Hey-o. Hey-o. <laughs> <laughs> it just oh, says man. 10 months ago that's crap give me a date dude it's honestly so much cooler talking to you now that i've actually met you in person you know i was thinking about that earlier and it's funny because like before we uh we finally met at carpet fest i i don't know i just like i'm pretty familiar with both of you guys at the point where i feel like i've known you forever yeah um, you know like like as if we'd met in high school and just grew up together cause, right like, you know, honestly, the first time we talked and the first time I saw a photo of you, although you guys don't necessarily look alike, you have a lot of like the same features, like really light blonde hair, same stature and build. And you remind me a lot of my good friend Cody from uh, middle school and, and through till today. And um, I don't know. After we hung out, I was like, dude, I feel like I've known this cat forever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, dude, for real though. That's a, it's a, it was exactly what it felt like. It's like, you know, it was the first time meeting, but it just – it. Just was it just, felt right. It felt familiar, you know? It's like, yeah. No, it just felt there right. There was a connection. Yeah, there was just a connection, <laughs> bro. It was great. We, it was awesome. had a moment. Yeah. Had a moment. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was definitely cool, though. It was weird. Yeah. Weird in a cool way. Mm-hmm. I was like, he's real. He's not just a voice. Dude, it's like when you, go to, when you go to concerts and it's a band you haven't seen before. Yeah. Like, seeing that person yeah, there when you're so exactly. used to just seeing them on, like, your phone on, like, YouTube or something. Like, when I saw Deftones yeah. in, like, yeah. 2013. Yeah. 2013. Like, seeing them actually there, it was kind of, like, it was so strange. Yeah. you're like, man, like I see this person moment. all the time. Yeah. Because I'm watching, like, live videos and but interviews. But now they're, like, there. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, they're real. Yeah. Definitely. It's very strange. It's definitely how it is just whenever you meet anybody that you know over the internet. You know, yeah. it's like I need the majority of my friends I know from the internet. I, I can I tell have... you from personal experience <laughs> with Craigslist, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> Not always. The Morelli, the Morelli community is like super easy for that too. Oh, like true. we're already pretty, uh, a pretty thick group. If you're in, you're in. You kind of understand everyone on a different level. So yeah, right. I know what you mean. Unless sure. you're in the Green Tree Python community, yeah, we are a then league of our own. Morelia. Then it's just a shit show. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> you're the redheaded Morelia stepchild. <laughs> yeah, that's basically Justin. Actually, he's the he's the redheaded stepchild of uh, of Green Tree Python here's, keepers. <laughs> here's, okay, Riley. 
Riley streamed his carpets and coffee earlier, and I think Ryan Cox was giving me a hard time about. He's like, why are you here? There's nothing green here. And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? Everyone gives me a hard time for being so hardcore into chondros. I was like, but you're the one that keeps nothing but the same species. Me? Yeah. What do you mean? Well, you've got the other stuff, but carpets. Like, you have Yeah. You you have nothing but I have the carpets. pop ones. Yeah, I have carpets. So I was like, how's everyone going to give me crap? I've got, like, I don't know how many different species. I have Everyone's different like, species. Oh, you just like I, have a, I have a scrub. I have a pits. scrub and spurgeon do not count. I have the pits too. Oh, I forgot about those. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Granted, you have more species than me. You're just way more just, hardcore about green tree pythons. Everyone was like, man. No, you're really in. You're like in people's faces about your green tree pythons. As all green I? tree python. As all green tree python keepers are. Well, Dude, you have okay, a. You, Justin, I'll still have, be your friend. We have to compensate <laughs> some way or another. Dude, I mean, you have a podcast all about green tree pythons. Yeah, do I mean, you? No, that's, that's what I, I don't have a podcast about. <laughs> I don't have a podcast about carpet pythons. Yeah, like, so of course everybody's no gonna one's be stopping you. Huh? Kyle got a shirt. Shout out and happy birthday. Yeah, happy birthday to Kyle. Kyle at Mo- Mojo Herpeticulture. Yeah. He sent me a picture earlier. He cool got cat. a Contracast shirt. Where's yours, Brats? Um, why didn't you? Where's get your me THP one? shirt, Brats? <laughs> Damn. Riley, you got a shirt, hey, didn't you? I'm g- uh, no, oh. I don't think I did. Now that I think about it, yeah, it's okay. I, I, dude, I've been so These tight. Don't run. I've been so tight on money lately, man. I, every time I go to buy it, I'm like, oh wait, I need to get the other carpet fest shirt, so I got to get that. Honestly, instead. right now, I didn't get one it's of those. it's oh, a it's a disease. It's an addiction. I'm buying too many fucking t-shirts. Every <laughs> week. Like- I mean, I like I don't feel bad when people when I send people the link and then I don't see that anybody bought one. Like I understand. Yeah. Like a twenty-five dollar T-shirt. That's yeah, like a it's lot not, of money. Like I don't cheap. blame people whatsoever yeah. if they're like, I'm not spending but I, much money on a shirt. I love it, dude. I collect them. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> I get addicted to having the set. <laughs> the set. Gotta have them all. Gotta catch them all. Yeah. yeah. And unfortunately, you can't once the event's over and like you know what's done is done. I can't get. The well, the, yeah, the seven. carpet fest ones are different because that's yeah. a limited thing. Like yeah. those are never coming back. But Contracast and THP shirts and you know just whatever. If you want one, you want I, one. They're there. I forgot you guys had shirts for that. Yeah, we have THP shirts. Yeah, and they're got, always available. I've gotten really slack about reminding people that they're there. Yeah. All right. Well, remind me in a month once I've paid my sales taxes for the business and my car payment. <laughs> cool. There we go. We'll remind Easy you. enough. We actually have two different styles too for the herbetical. We've got podcast. a bunch of different in there. Yeah, there's a bunch of yeah, there's, there's several different kinds, but as far more. as like THP specific, yeah. there's two different nice. two different ones. And uh, I had it? a good idea for for new ones though. Oh yeah. So we have the THP logo on the front, right? And then on the back we have either like we'll do one with your logo and one with my logo. Okay. That'd be pretty cool. And we'll do like the year we were born, like a jersey, like the year we were born, and we'll have, like, PCE <laughs> over the top or like JLB Morelia instead of the last name. Yeah. Be pretty cool. I don't know. That's I pretty, tight. pretty dope. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be like, pretty tight. Logo number. Yeah, yeah. We'll work. We'll work something out. We'll figure it and, out. And uh, anybody who's going to be at Daytona, Justin and I won't have a booth, but we'll be walking around, and we're actually going to have hopefully around two hundred to two hundred and fifty uh, decals to hand out. So if you guys see us, also grab a speaking decal. Speaking of shirts, speaking we're going to be shirts. running a Daytona special. That, yes. That, yeah, I haven't decided if we're going to do it for just that weekend or that week. We'll probably do it that week. 
and anybody we're going to be running a discount on shirts i don't know how much yet but we will let you know and it will yeah. be posted about so that will be the time to get shirts yeah and i'll also have we'll also have a bunch of business cards to hand out we will yeah he, he he's making us a bunch yeah. too so yeah we'll be there handing stuff out little goodies from thp dope nasty yeah, and we'll be lurking around. So if you see us, stop us, say hi. If you see a guy that looks like a Sasquatch and a little dude standing next to him, that's us. <laughs> yeah. Hag- Haggard and Ronald Weasley. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my, oh my God. God. <laughs> that's good. I thought, the, oh I thought the Saving Silverman picture of me as Jack Black and yeah, you as, what's no, his, as those, Steve Zahn were pretty, were pretty accurate. That was I was awesome. like, that's spot on. Yeah, that, that is a good one. Too, yeah, yes. that, that was probably my favorite one. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. That was, like, was great. I died laughing when I saw that. Oh, man. So, anyways, now that all the – Now that all the business is out of the way. Now all the out of the way. Let's, uh, let's dive on in. Riley, uh, you've got some yeah. stuff going on, man. What's uh, What's happening over there? Um, literally like 15 minutes ago, I pulled, um, the last two babies out of the egg box from clutch number three of the year. Um, it's the last of my Morelia. The only thing I have left, uh, to hatch out is my children's Python, uh, clutch, but that's probably another three or four weeks away. I was going to say those can't be far off. Yeah, they're on day thirty-nine right now, so they're they're doing well. They're they're going. That's a, a first, you know, time for that that species for me. So we'll see. But uh, um, so yeah, I mean, I I'm sure uh, anybody who's been like seeing what I've been posting is aware that the this clutch was the zebra to zebra clutch, and. Uh, <clears throat> And zebra stuff is notorious for having some issues when you try and double down on that and go for the super. Mm-hmm. And from what I've gathered from other people who've been doing it longer than myself, or people who've at least already done it once or twice even, um, you have a clutch that starts perfectly and then you know everything kind of wets the bed toward the end. And sometimes you just get like perfect clutch and then they all die, and sometimes it's just one or two die off or just I don't know like that seems to be my experience um, or other people's experience that they've shared with me excuse me um, and it's the same thing that happened to me it's my first time doing it I started with 13 eggs and you know within the last two weeks uh, six of the eggs started just dying like mm. pretty quick uh, but it didn't affect like a like a spread like there wasn't one epicenter and it spread to all the adjacent eggs it was just kind of sporadic and random so you know, something in the development in those particular embryos stopped and wasn't able to make it, and I don't know why, but that seems to be a common thing with them. So anyway, I'm down to seven eggs, and obviously I'm aiming for the pattern of Super Zebra, uh, and at that point I was pretty hopeless that I was even going to get it. And then uh, day 57, the first egg started pipping, and I saw some pretty dark babies with contrast, so either jungles or zebras. And so about four of them had pipped, and I saw zebras in one sort of classic jungle. And so at that point, it was down to three eggs, and I was like, nah, I'm not going to hit it. And then uh, the sixth egg pipped, and it was too dark to tell, and then its head came out like a couple hours later, and I saw it, and it was patternless grace. So, mm-hmm. you know, there it was. There's the super, you know, because oh, yeah. that's, you know, no no-brainer. When it's patternless, 
that's it. Um, so I was really stoked and I thought for sure that was like the one that's, you know, more than I could hope for with only seven eggs. It's a, you know, it's a 25% chance. It's a, a one in four should be mm-hmm. a super. So seven, like it's close to being a full two, but you know, really one is realistic. Um, and then the last egg, you know, I wasn't like giddy and itching for it or anything. Cause I figured it's probably just going to be a classic and sure as hell it uh it ends up being a super so i hit two of them in seven eggs which is like that's unreal a, man a little bit better than the odds should statistically be it's like 1.75 but you know like right. i'll take it For sure. and so i yeah i'm pretty stoked and i see they've hatched out but you know when you have supers um just because you see them alive in the egg doesn't mean you're out of the woods yet yeah and Steven Katz was telling me he's hatched some out and had like babies hatch out and then die. And I'm sure he's not the only one. I know kinking can be an issue in mm-hmm. super zebras. Um, it's pretty much well known that super zebras are going to at least have some sort of visible minor kink in the tail tip or in the end of the tail region. In some extreme cases, you'll actually see spinal kinking to the point where it impacts the animal's ability to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and like really worst cases. And there's various theories on why this happened from inbreeding to just being a weak gene, you know, what, whatever. And um, there, there seems to be some improvement on that when there's, when there's outcrossing done. But uh, anyway, the first one um, finally leaves the egg and it's a female, so she's not going anywhere. And then... Um, just before I got on the show here, I, I pulled the the last zebra out, which turns out to be a male. He's got a nice black stripe down his back. Dude, those He's odds are nuts. Like, mm-hmm. the fact that you got two is crazy. Well, and, and then the fact that you got a male and a female su- is even yeah, crazier. The, the second super is a, is a male. It's just fucking so you, just, so you got a pair of supers out of that. Yeah. That's out of seven, oh out of seven eggs. Does anybody know what happens if you paired two supers together? All supers. All supers. All supers. Well, statistically, you would get all supers, yeah. Now, has anybody done it? I don't know. Um, and to be completely honest, I wouldn't know what, what to expect. Like, yeah, if anything hatches out, in theory, it should be super. But, like, I think you'd probably also have to be prepared for some serious egg die-off. Yeah. Like, yeah that's I, what I would think, I, is yeah, if whatever think. does live is probably going to be in... Stephen Hawking mode. Yeah. Like, because there's some decent gene pool for the zebra gene, but, like, it is finite, you know? And how right. many actually make it to adulthood to be bred back? You know, it's probably a handful, and they probably come from, like, an even smaller gene pool, you know what I mean? So, right. inevitably, some of it's quite related, I would imagine, but... Uh, it's kind of like... I, I kind of look at the 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 zebra stuff similar to the granite things that you know we have in the uh the pop side a lot of that um that inbreeding and kind of things like that um, oh totally so. i talk to tony Dorr about it all the time and he and i are of the same opinion that it's on exactly the same level it's right. just like been you know it hasn't been outcrossed essentially i've dubbed right. him the puppet master he what Tony's the puppet master. <laughs> Tony's the puppet master because of his because <laughs> of his sock puppet snakes. Master of puppets. Oh my gosh, that's hilarious. It's gonna be his, that's his new nickname. 
He's the, pup, he's the puppet master. master. Where's them snakes that I'm been after? <laughs> oh my god. There he goes. Oh my gosh. So yeah, that just happened. Um, <laughs> so let's move on from that now. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, that's that's kind of great. That's crazy, man. That's uh I mean, yeah, I'd, be, I'd be interested to figure out what the actual statistics of you actually hitting a pair and hitting two in that same clutch were. Well, so if you look at an 8A clutch on just pure, like, Punnett square statistics, you mm-hmm. would get two two normals, four zebras, and two supers statistically. Mm-hmm. And I got seven eggs, and I got one normal, four zebras, and two supers. So add one normal there, and it's exactly that ratio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So the the results are just slightly more in the favor of the super as opposed to the normal mm-hmm. um which is why i expected the last one to be a normal but what would have those six uh deceased eggs been two more zebras one more normal right mm-hmm. you know three more supers like who knows like right. um and i cut them open and uh, they're sitting in front of me and they stink like hell Oh um, yeah, Jake had a few that went bad, man. Those things were, those things were rough. I had one. Well, the, the, was, yeah, there was one in particular that yeah. man, that thing. Whew. Yeah. Sometimes they can get slimy, and you just gotta like endure it or pull they it. Just dissolve. But they they feel different too. They're like firmer because everything inside is more like hard and gelatinous. Yeah. It's one amorphous blob. Um. So some of the the ones that I cut open that were the moldy ones uh, had like not fully formed zebras in there so there was at least two or three more zebras that just somewhere along the line stopped developing and died Jeez. so the statistics were there but for whatever reason you know the strength of the clutch overall is not what you know for example my other jungle clutch was and i only lost two eggs um so i don't know you know there's all sorts of variables at play when you're Mm -hmm. working with live animals so uh, I have to sort of assume that inbreeding could help. Um, and as far as a long-term goal, I think that's like kind of a logical direction I'd like to go if I'm to continue working with the zebra and super zebra stuff. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm happy to have these two, and I will not breed them back to each other. That is for yeah. sure. <laughs> Would you breed uh, a pair of the zebras back to each other? from like siblings yeah i mean i i personally wouldn't if if we're seeing this issue in the supers even though we're not seeing too many issues in zebras i feel it has to have more negative than good effects right and there's enough people breeding zebras out there that like nobody should feel like they have to like there's certainly reasons to buy a pair you can buy a pair and not breed them back together but like yeah i don't know i just i've never wanted to breed siblings of some sort of a morph like that that has uh any sort of issues back to one another and personally like and i know for to an extent like it's not going to cause any problems but you know me personally i'm going to do everything i can to not breed siblings you know just to just because you know again you know if you do it once twice it's not of course it's not going to have some horrible effect on them but it certainly you know, it's still inbreeding, you know what I mean? Like it's it's not a good thing, you know, sure. If you want to hit a certain trait, you know, but 
yeah, there's certain other... species are are more resistant to inbreeding depression and some of the the detrimental effects of it mm-hmm. than others. Especially a lot of island species, they're mm-hmm. programmed for life on a limited gene pool, mm-hmm. closed system like that. Right. Um, you know, there's documents of boas, uh, females producing parthenogenic like males just so she can have something to breed to in a few years for survival. You know. Jeez. Um. So that sort of thing, I feel like reptiles are pretty tolerant when you compare them mm. to other species like humans um inbreeding in humans shows up immediately <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, uh, just look at justin but yeah i feel like it's probably something that like if you can do it it's i think it's a good option at any chance but there's definitely reasons why you would breed siblings back together and you there's know, for proving traits out or right right yeah there's like definitely that. there's definitely Untapped you know potential and gone oh my gosh um but i don't remember who i was talking about this with but uh me and somebody were discussing how um we were wondering if the morphs have some type of bigger influence on the the inbreeding problems you know what i mean like because with just normal wild types like you know maybe you just don't see um, inbreeding as much with those, but you know, with people who are line breeding for wild type animals, you don't see the defects that you see in stuff like granites or zebras and stuff like that. You know, once you get into inbreeding those, you know, you see these horrible, you know, defects, you know, we're, we were wondering if the, the, that morph is what causes the actual defects versus, you know, the wild types, you could do the, the, the inbreeding and not have, that same ill effect. Oh, I don't know. Defect. It's just a just a theory, huh? Oh, yeah. Defect. I mean, <laughs> what are you talking? About? What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Defect. Um, <laughs> I, well, I think I think just the desire to reproduce morphs right. for you know other people because people want them is enough to like cause overlaps in related animals just right. for that reason if there was a desire for lying bred certain wild types i bet you would have the same issue down the line right. like if everybody's just keeping this line it's so like say i buy a pair of um uh mog line inlands and i breed siblings together and then i keep babies and breed those siblings together and i keep those babies and breed, you know eventually right. you're probably run into issues so like i think it could happen uh, regardless if it's a more for okay. a specific line, but right. it's it, what happens is is the is the, the motivation to pursue it and reproduce it. So basically, right? Yeah, and that, and that and that that's what I was getting at, you know, because I yeah, have so abso- dude, absolutely. What do you yeah, like? Okay, happens. Justin's losing his mind over here. I don't because <laughs> I just imagined people breeding these things over and over and over until they're literally hatching out like tater tot snakes that's just a section with no head and no tail it's just literally like a little capsule with scales it's like inbred so much why is that funny that's like this big doesn't have a head doesn't have a tail it's just a piece of scaly flesh <laughs> what <laughs> i don't know it why is that funny laugh. to you because it made I... I mean that was basically the the eyeless granite but yeah you gotta save that audio clip right there yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. Oh my god 
You know what I mean. Like, they're inbreeding. Yeah, I know what you mean. Especially, I'm sure, in the ball python world. It's like... Oh, God. And that is something I wonder, with ball pythons especially, is, like, as much inbreeding goes on there with the... I would say not even... Not only the breeders, but the uh, the snakes. No? Yeah. I mean, All right, that I fell feel flat. Like it could happen. It could happen anywhere. <laughs> no, but I wonder with those morphs, like, mentally, what it's like in their little world when they've been bred back so many times if they're all present as much as present as a snake can be I don't know look at spiders we'll never know yeah no. that is true mm. well never mind <laughs> <laughs> just already I mean me and me and Riley were just yeah, talking I'm about sorry. some serious stuff and, and you're just I got I like a schoolgirl, just started yeah, giggling. Just started giggling like a cackling. Little... It's all good. It's your show. Uh, but are you? I mean, are we? Is that all you have I for mean, super zebras? I mean, I guess we're. I guess we're done now. I mean, doesn't um, doesn't even matter. Okay, I don't even care. I don't even care. Yeah, where were we? We got off track. We we were talking about morphs and inbreeding and all that oh, stuff. Yeah. But we have other things to cover. I mean, it's only 26 minutes in, dude. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, well. Still. Carry on. Carry on. Anyways, morphs, inbreeding, yeah, all that. Yeah, super zebras. Yeah. Uh, more people should try and make them. There's surprisingly not as many out there as you would expect. The zebra gene's been around for a while. I love zebras, man. That's one of my favorite favorite carpet morphs. I don't pay attention well, to many of them, but zebras always catch my attention. And you know what's really neat about them is because jungles are so variable themselves mm-hmm. that you see that variability in zebras. Like, I can tell an AAR line zebra, like a Justin Jewlander zebra. I've seen what his stock is, and it's translatable. I, I can tell zebras that come from certain animals. You can just pick that up. There's just, like, certain, you know, features, like either very blocky side markings and an open black back or sometimes it's just chaotic and goes crazy over the dorsal i mean there's just a lot of different looks within the zebra too so and you can see it in a baby but when when they're an adult man it's even better because it's just bigger and you really see it spread out on the bigger canvas and it's just especially if you go after something from a breeder that's like put in some good bloodlines some of the guys that have like the the old historical stuff that have been really working hard at um that's the stuff that's really nice because man they look so good as adults they're so cool i love both of my zebras yeah that's uh zebras are definitely cool uh, they're I'm one of those looking up what they're going for right now because i'm curious zebras are one of those morphs that i've always <clears throat> i always thought they were cool but like being the 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 pop wind carpet guy that I am, I'm just Man. like, why not get a granite? <laughs> you know, but God, they're so yeah. cool, dude. Yeah. There's one on King Snake right now for three hundred bucks. Yeah, the, the zebras are really cool. I gotta say. Well, um, and then there's the other thing. Like they typically have a bad attitude. Like, oh, really? Nice. But none of mine have a bad attitude. Hmm. Well, nice. The babies are all chill. The adult male, he's like twitchy, but like shy twitchy. Mm-hmm. So he like flinches away, and the female, she she might bite you, but um, <laughs> she's gotten better. She's gotten better. Like I can handle it. Right. But, like after having her clutch and then giving her just time for so long without much interaction, she's kind of regressed in her social 
her social ways. Yeah, yeah. So I got to do a little more one-on-one with, with her. But, um, the, man, they're, they're cool. They're like the jungle equivalent of uh, the granite. It's just in the, uh, the single copy of the gene, you yeah. get that busy feature. That in the incomplete so. dominant form. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, because granite for anybody listening granite is a recessive trait and the zebra is a incomplete dominant in case anybody yeah. in case anybody and it's oh, one of the it's like one of the most dramatic changes like think about what what happened yeah you know from a genetic variation like what it does so dramatically to the the code mm-hmm. that is written about what that animal's pattern is supposed to look like a jungle itself can already be pretty busy and like banded and crazy and a bear and all sorts of cool shit going mm-hmm. on. And then something changes and it makes it even busier, like two or three times. Yeah. Like there's so much more and it's it's really beautiful. And then you take it a step further and you double it down and what happens? Patternless. Yeah, that's so, bizarre. Yeah, I think that's the like, craziest thing about me is like you get the the incomplete All form is is this insane crazy pattern but then the super form is patternless like how does if you think about it how does it's that like work the yellow it's like the yellow is eating up all the black you know colors yeah. it's eating up all the melanin it's all it's almost a true uh hypomelanistic but yeah. it, it, i mean don't don't ever say that morelia <laughs> people they'll laugh at you um yeah it, it's just that's just what it is it's just really cool and uh, there's a few of them out there that I've seen that like keep a really nice shiny canary yellow, but a lot of them get like a gold back to them. So they, you know, at, probably at two years is when all jungles look their best. So you know they'll look really nice and yellow then. But you know how it goes. You know how it goes. But as far as jungles go, you just had, did a maternal incubation with with one of your girls. Yeah. How was that? How, what was, was your experience with that? What was that like? Oh man. Um, so I'm sure you guys have heard how like stressful and scary and everything it is and how mm. people like, Oh, I don't have the moxie to do it. And I used to say that too. Um, before I get into this, I will say this is a sample size of one. This is not me having done this a hundred times and saying it's always like this. This is just my first and only experience thus far. And I plan to do it again, but it was the easiest incubation ever. It was <laughs> easier than doing uh, artificial because it, artificial, I got to make sure the power doesn't go out to my place. I got to make sure, you know, my room doesn't overheat in this crazy 105 degree weather and all this stuff. Um, whereas in the snake room, I've got pretty much the ambient environment pretty pegged down so I know what to do in order to keep it in my happy range mm-hmm. any time of year. And when you do that, she does the rest. It was literally that easy. I have my room dialed in, so guess what? I just gave her an S box with some sphagnum, um, that nice yellowy uh, New Zealand sphagnum moss. Mm-hmm. The good and, stuff. And uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So I sprayed it down with water the day I set it up, which was seventh day in her uh, prelay cycle. Day seven was when I set this box up. So she still theoretically had another 23 days left to go. Braided it down initially. I fluffed it up, made sure the moisture was distributed evenly. It wasn't cooling on the bottom, just a little bit of you know humidity. Nothing crazy, right? I put it in there on the heat. Didn't 
encourage her into it or anything like that. She went right into it and left it twice before she laid to get some water and went back in. And I'm imagining she brought some moisture in with her because by the end of it, there was actually like a little bit of really damp moss in the bottom, more moisture than I put in. Um, she deposited eggs, I believe 27 days in, um, and I took a quick look and got a quick rough count of at least 15 eggs, and then I just let her be. Um, other than that, you know, I periodically check and take her, her nest box out and take photos. And what I did was every day I recorded the highs and lows of the uh, ambient temperature in the enclosure where I had this uh, thermometer set, and then I had a probe in the egg box that was taped at the top and draped down right on top of her head, basically in the top of her coils. And uh, so I was able to get more or less a close idea of what the temperature around the eggs were. Mm -hmm. And I graphed it all out. And basically over the 59 days it took before babies started coming out, um, I was able to see the disparities between ambient and humidity. And ambient fluctuated, you know, usually in the, the low 80s to, to mid 80s. But the, the temperature in the nest box was usually a consistent five degrees warmer than that unless it hit like 92. There were a couple times where she allowed the temperature in the nest box to get 92, but she probably couldn't do much because we, we've been getting some heat um, out here. But it's, you know, when it was 84 outside, she'd have it 89 in the nest box. And so I was able to see that the temperature in the nest box were much more stable than the ambient temperature. So mm -hmm. she was influencing what was going on there more than just what the ambient was. Because if it was subject to ambient, I would expect to see a consistent shift between both the ambient and the nest box temperatures. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't the case. Um, it was much more stable in there. And then it was very high humidity. It was between 70s and like mid to high 80s. So whatever moisture she added, she didn't think I set it up with enough. And she wow. did it perfectly. Um, yeah, it was great. And so she, she's a sweet animal. So she let me like, you know, move her head out of the way for photos, get, you know, shots of the eggs periodically. Mm -hmm. She didn't do more than hiss at me. And it was literally the easiest thing I've ever done. Um, so then once baby started coming out, uh, I pulled the, the eggs and put them in a tub that was a little bit more secure because the cage I have her in, there's gaps in the glass and a few things. And, I was having to go to work and not I didn't baby want proofed. to like, yeah, not exactly. And I had gotten that advice from, uh, from cats again. Um, and I, you know, I'm looking at the gap in the glass and like seeing how small their heads are and like, yeah, I can see a future for sure. But, um, so the whole point of me doing maternal incubation was, that uh, you know, we all hear the rumors about these babies come out bigger, healthier, um, better feeders, you know, whatever. There's like a, there's a lot of benefits we hear. And they're not unsubstantiated. It's just it hasn't been, like, quantified per se. Mm -hmm. Like, nobody's done it, like, 50 times or 20 times or whatever it is, recorded the parameters, and then documented, like, how soon did the baby start shedding? How soon did they start eating? What was their temperament like? What were their overall neonatal weights? And then what was their weight gain like? And just to see how they progress. Like, it hasn't been documented in a long-term study to see if it's actually the case. I and and I I hope I have the ability to do some MI 
you know, every year at least one clutch, if not multiple, um, and just sort of collectivize a lot of that data and see like, does it result in an easier time getting babies fed? Does it result in bigger overall babies? Mm-hmm. Um, I've probably only produced six or seven clutches of carpet pythons overall, and the MI clutch babies are monstrous. They're huge. They're fat, enormous babies. Like some of them were so big, I actually pulled the um, the garden mesh uh, arches that I put in there for them because if they got their heads in, they'd be just fine. But their fat bellies were so <laughs> satiated from the yolk that like out out a couple of them got stuck, and one of them like pulled like the last little trail under her umbilicus, and I had to cut her out. And I was like, all right, so you you things like absorb every last little bit. It turned out to be 18 eggs overall, and there were two that were at the bottom of the clutch that they died somewhere close to the end of development. And I don't know if that was a lack of like surface area available to oxygen, or if because they were right on the bottom where it was most moist. There was no mold in the clutch, even though they were pretty much standing water in the bottom of that tub with the moss. Um, so I'm pretty sure mom sort of beehived them up off the floor like they do, because I could look under the tub and I couldn't see anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so she was keeping them off of that that water there. So I don't know if it was a lack of moisture or too much moisture or lack of oxygen, whatever. But those two that were dead in the egg were almost fully formed and some insane, heavy, heavy, thick striping. And they ultimately ended up being Kribo food. Um, and uh, so then I was I was oh left with God. six. Hey, waste not, want not, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and and that is actually a natural part of Kribo and dry marker diet is to have some snakes, so mm-hmm. I support that. Um, but uh, yeah, so I got sixteen, <coughs> and they're all gentle, docile, Jesus. amazing. They all shed within two weeks after hatching out, and uh, I I first offered them food uh three days ago which would put them at three and a half weeks and that's much earlier than i usually offer babies i usually wait till five weeks but because of these theories that they like get started on food better and they're better eaters and this and that i figured well what the hell i'll try it um a couple of them were starting to come out and roam at night but most of them stayed hidden and uh i offered all 16 babies frozen thawed fuzzies I at least got their attention with them, you know, kind of harassed them a little bit with them. If you tap them in that first third behind the head and the yeah. neck, yeah. oftentimes you can elicit a good bite with, you know, stubborn babies. So I at least gave all of them a chance to react to that before mm-hmm. um, leaving it with them somewhere visible where I could check, either under the paper just looking in the tub or on top. And 15 of 16 babies ate their first meal, frozen thawed fuzzies at three and a half weeks old. Nice. Hell that's yeah, awesome, man! It's it great. It's always a good so, feeling. That's that's exactly how I felt because I fed mine when mine hatched. I waited till after the first shed, which is about a week and a half, and I fed them immediately. And every single one of them ate first time and through. Ins- and it, it's that's just, insane. It's just it, it was such a great feeling. It was like dang, like I thought this was gonna be hard, you know. Well, um, you know, it, it will be. Eventually. Oh yeah. Just oh yeah. No, for sure. Away. For sure. Yeah. That was definitely. Well, uh, no, the, like that. That certainly happens. Um, my pop ones were a little stubborn. Stubborn. Um, this F one clutch. One of them uh, is now over two months old. Still hasn't even had its first shed. So. Wow. Um, but the rest of them are just little assholes. But most of them are eating. 
Um, nice. But man, yeah, sometimes you just get lucky with a clutch. It's just like, yep, we we got uh, mom's real good feeding instinct yeah, passed on or whatever. Exactly. It is. Not me. That's uh, and that... and I will say <laughs> I didn't expect these striped jungles, the the mi clutch. I did not expect them to want to eat that early, even though they were an mi clutch, because they're all huge. They're like. 28 29 30 gram babies like yeah. there was two of them that were 25 or 26 grams but like they were huge there were three or four that were 30 grams there's big fat cells and so i figured they'd be so well nourished from the yolk they'd be satiated and wouldn't want food for quite some time but here i am doing food wrong it's great that's awesome man it's always uh it's always good when babies uh just jump on jump on the food food train Justin, I I wish you could know what that felt like, but me too. Yeah, you breed you breed green tree pythons, so <laughs> the superior Morelia that doesn't want to live. Um... That doesn't want to live. <laughs> <laughs> They're just on that beach diet. Yeah, <laughs> gotta gotta stay slim. But yeah, that's awesome, man. I definitely. I I I think I'm gonna give a give a shot at the MI this this coming season. We both were, and then we both bitched out. Well, I was gonna do it with um, with one of my clutches, um, but I only ended up getting one out of the three that I tried for. So it it was what it was. So, um, but this I kept. Think, I think everyone should do it, David. Oh yeah, for sure. I think <clears throat> this year this year I'm trying. I'm think I'm gonna shoot for three, and I think I'll. I think I'll be good on hopefully getting at least two. Um, hopefully, three, all three will go, but uh, we'll see. And I'll, I'll pl- I plan on MIing at least one. Um, Yourself? What? I'm gonna let. Yeah, I'm gonna do it. I'm just gonna hold the eggs in my hands for sixty days. Keep, <laughs> keep them, Sit on them like a chicken. Warm. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> um, I MI these eggs myself. <laughs> that's awesome though so so what else did we have we, we had, yeah so we other stuff i saw i watched carpets and coffee this morning when that first Very zebra nice. came out yeah man i'm all, i'm always at work when you do it but i usually pop on for a few minutes i may not catch the whole thing but each week it does i have the notification so it does tell me when you're doing it and it's always cool to hop in there and mm see what you're talking about what's how's that and how's that been going for you you've been doing that for a couple months now yeah man that's such an interesting thing because like i constantly go back and forth about like how much i even want to be like present in social media you know what i mean mm-hmm. I do too. um like i constantly am like is that is that sort of like uh I don't know. Is it a selfish thing? Is it not? Is it fun? Am I am I doing anything worthwhile? Yeah. So I constantly go back and forth with that, and and so lately I've sort of like pulled back quite a bit from like being active and engaged, but I still post regularly, um, and I find that to be like a good midway point between certain like uh, platforms and and media. But like I I don't know. There's so much value to being present because there's such a growth in the community there's so many people coming out uh and joining the hobby that it, i don't know i just feel like somebody asks you questions given the time so um 
it's just yeah, I don't know. What were we talking about? <laughs> carpets and coffee. Yeah, carpets. And oh coffee. yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. So it kind of came about because like I was going through one of those uh, like points. Where I was like, ah, I kind of want to do more, um, but like I don't want to do anything like overproduce or anything that isn't me, because I'm not a YouTuber. Like, let's get that straight. I'm not a fucking. Oh, excuse me. See, that's why. Like, I can't be a YouTuber. I do that. <laughs> You're um, good. You're good, man. I, this is this is THP. Uh, anything goes. I'm just not like in like I do enjoy doing education at work at the zoo, like doing talks and things like that. I love talking to people, but um, I don't know. I'm just like not going to go out of my way to be like cheesy about stuff. And so, but I, you know, I found that there was like a lack of uh, carpet python specific content out there mm-hmm. um, that people were tuning into there was tons of content out there physically but it was in the form of forums and discussions like that and some of the old school platforms that the new wave of digital media users were not accustomed to it wasn't the instant gratification of like getting photos and instant talking with people it was a little more delayed and slower and so it was just different it was outdated and so people were reverting to other sources while those sources didn't have that community transition over because a lot of the Morelli keepers are kind of old school guys anyway that don't like being totally present in media anyway. So there wasn't much on YouTube. There, you know, it was just kind of like a little this, little this here and there. But if you went to go Google like what is my carbon python or like you know different things, there really wasn't anything. Mm-hmm. And so um, because I was constantly, you know, learning in the early years, trying to figure it out. Like five years ago, when I was first figuring things out, um, you know, there wasn't much out there, and yeah. so I finally figured it out. I was like, oh, people really like this authentic, just talking to the camera and telling them what you gathered, sort of thing. And there were people talking about it, and I was like, I'll just try it, and it was so uncomfortable for me for like the first yeah it's tough you youtube know. anything like even if it's live or not it's it's an uh, yeah, adjustment it's i don't it's hard to get it. like i've gotten better <laughs> at it because i've been doing so many videos and stuff yeah but the lack of audience takes, yeah. is awkward the negative comments is awkward like <laughs> the the thumbs downs and the dislikes are oddly satisfying and motivating <laughs> weird <laughs> um but yeah like it's still it's still kind of I guess I still get awkward thinking about it and don't like talking about it because it makes me talk about myself, which is awkward, but it's fun. It's become a lot of fun. Like I, I really wish people would like hit me up and submit questions of topics, but what I should do is just pay more attention to what's going on online and like have more relevant conversation. Sort yeah. of like what NPR does, you know, they'll bring guests on that hit like the roughies or like cool shit like that. And, um, so I'm going to try and do more of that, but it's just, I just want content that that's mm-hmm. out there that people can like actively search and look up. Like, so I find that what I like if I'm searching for reptile stuff is I like stuff that I can just listen to and gather somebody's like random thoughts on subjects that are probably pertinent. If they're a similar situation, like a small time bedroom hobbyist, like I am, that's what a lot of folks on YouTube are. Like that's the, mod- the majority of, you know, folks out there are just like me. You know, yep. they're people that just have like a couple animals in a room sort of a deal. Okay, it's more than a couple, but you know, the point is still the same. Um, 
And so I was like, what would be valuable to me? Well, I was always searching for this. I was searching for conversation of relevant topics. And there's podcasts that people can listen to that people should still listen to, like this one and NPR and Reptile and Chill and like all these other great podcasts where just put it on as white noise. And that's the thing about the the YouTube chat is it can either be white noise or you can be actively engaged, which is that other layer that's kind of nice. You can, mm-hmm. you can tap into the chat and actually direct questions and and really shape it to whatever sort of hobbyist is asking the questions, the chances are other folks are going to benefit from mm-hmm. it too. And then it snowballed, and I was getting people hitting me up saying like, hey, man, I've caught like one or two. I can't always tune in, but I think it's a great idea. I think you should run with it. I really think you should keep doing it. Um, and and that was, that was the first part that sort of hit me in the head like a brick. I was like, wait, really? Like, these older guys who have been in it longer than I am think it's a good thing that I'm doing this, like a couple of them anyway, like mm-hmm. that was enough. Like even if one or two people say, you know, thanks for doing that. I appreciate you taking the time and like just, you know, talking about that, that happened to be something I was curious about. Like then that entire half hour or whatever it ends up being is justified. And it was worth it. Definitely. Like mm-hmm. that person got what I consider to be good, honest information and probably some of my opinions so they can you know formulate their own but like it's hard to just be able to learn how to keep a species just by reading a typed up care sheet or reading some digital thing like hearing experiences conversing with somebody meeting people seeing their collection is the best well you can't always do that if you live on the other side of the country or the other side of the world so social media fills that gap so you know, I don't do like room tours or anything. Really, I, you're not going to see much. <laughs> right, but right. I'll sit here and tell you what I what I've experienced and try and like. That's that's about it. Like you know. Yeah, man. Well, that's and, why uh, I started doing Chondrocast. Is you know, Buddy and Bill have GTP Keeper Radio, but they both had pretty busy schedules, so they weren't cranking out too many episodes that often. And I was like, well, I have the equipment, I have the ability, I know how to, you know, I have the time. I was sure. like, we always need more Chondro content, so I said, I'm just going to go for it. I asked a few people, you know, if they thought it was something that I should I should pursue, or if it's something I should just leave alone, and everyone's like, no, nah, man, do it. We need more. More is so. always better. I mean, it's not like it's a market <clears throat> where it becomes competition that hurts anybody else. Right. If anything, it draws more people into the whole, you know, GTP podcast sector, mm-hmm. and they find both of y'all, you know? Right. Well, I just, I think, I feel like, sort of a sense of responsibility in a way because I have the ability and I have the gear and I have the sure. time to do it. So it's like I'm probably in a position to where I, I should be doing it. <laughs> and you are. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you are. are so. <laughs> and on that note, like I think other people should start doing it too. It just builds community. Like if there's anybody out here listening that like doesn't keep Morelia or doesn't keep Congros or any of that stuff, like I don't know if there's like gecko groups or tortoise groups, but like there's turtle podcasts. There should be gecko podcasts. Dark frog podcasts. Oh my god, dude! Yeah. Jcat, no, straight up. Here's the thing. All right, I got this wild hair a couple weeks ago, and I told Jake, I was like, man, I think I might do a dark frog podcast too. And Jake talked me down off the ledge on it because there isn't sponsors. There isn't a dark frog podcast. It doesn't exist, no, and so I'm the same three, way. Like I look for where there's gaps. A week? Well, TCC has been pretty slack lately. I need that, to find some. And all, I wasn't trying to shut you down. No, I, would, I know. I, I was, was trying to. I thought I was, about it more. And I was like, ah, he's right. I was trying to just like put the the other 
stuff in your head that you weren't thinking about quite yet because you got, I was you got about excited. It. I was just tuning it out. Yeah, I put the volume well, up on those. You know, see, that's the, that's the good thing about having you know having a relationship like Justin and I have because like when I get a wild hair up my ass, he's the the logic in my head, and then it's vice versa. I'm the logic in Neither his head. Neither of us have a, have an issue with going, bitch. What are you doing? Yeah, like stop. Yeah, think about this for a second. You know, like. You're about yeah. to walk off the cliff. Let's, let's but take I was like, a few there's, steps. there's no Dart Frog podcast. <laughs> there's uh, like you think about it, all the podcasts that we have right now are almost all relating to snakes. There's a chameleon one, and um, I thought there was maybe but a see, that's, one or something. But like, there's there's so much missing in other corners of the hobby. Yeah, it's no, crazy. I agree. But see, that's I think that I'm not, you know I'm not gonna sit here and toot our toot our horns, but you know mark, mark. it's. That's why I like kind of what we go for because we do cover a we lot of. To, yeah, we we been, try to go over species. Do we've done terrapins, frogs. You know, we've done you know, you know all kinds stuff of lined up. We gotta hit. Yeah, there's and we try to we try to cover you know all aspects just to we just do a piece just more just yeah, morality and just to, and that so yeah. we can reach more and more people. You know, because you know the people that we have on that are part of. And the the turtle community, you know, mm-hmm. they'll share it around, and the turtle people will hear about us, and you know, so on and so forth, and you know, sure. it's it's just the ripple effect, you know. It's yeah, no, I'm. You guys know me. I love you know all sorts of variety. So anytime you guys have like stuff that isn't in my wheelhouse, on it's some. They're oftentimes more the the engaging. Uh, topics that I, yeah. I really get more out of because like it's stuff that I'm not familiar with. So right, right. What I hear out of it, I I learn so much more. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Because it's stuff that you know, it's stuff that you're not familiar with. You know, I learn stuff all the time off this podcast. Mm-hmm. We've had people on that I literally knew absolutely nothing about what we're See, about to talk about. But I'm like, okay, here we go. Now I get too. to learn. It's like I started the Condrocast because then it's like. I get to have one-on-one conversation with the best yeah. of the best, and everyone else gets the benefit yeah. of it. Yeah, you that's know? great. Same with this. No, it's that's like, true. I can ask all that's the stupid clever. questions I've had floating around in my head. And... <laughs> no, so. it's, it's brilliant. It's yeah. brilliant is what it is. It's, it's smart. Been, it's been fun. And I've I've thought about trying to get into YouTube myself and starting, you know, starting my show for, you know, Poplin Carpet specifically, you know, just focus Do on it, those. Dude. But do I don't it. The worst th- What's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is it sucks and you stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're not wrong. If it's, it's just, the uncomfortability thing, you just, yeah, it's, it's, it's like jumping in a, a it's thing a, of cold it's water. It's a mixture of a lot sure. of things, man. Like, it, it's, yeah, it's definitely uncomfortable. It, it's, it's time. It gets easier. It's the time that, you, you know, know, I have to do it. it yeah, it. and it's just, I don't know. I've already I've already come up with a name and everything. I've told a few people about it. But Keep doing it, man. We'll see. We'll see. You just got to do it. I'm like, good. that's the thing. Like, with this and videos on either show or either channel, it's like, I I put it out yeah. there. If someone wants to watch it or listen to it, awesome. If someone does and they don't like it, I can't help that. Oh, right. shoot. You what good? This is spilled of water. Did you call 911? <laughs> nope. I just got to grab some paper towels. Sorry. Oh, you're good. Cleaning snakes. I just you put it out there. That's the thing. Yeah. You know, a lot of people are too scared to to, to throw that, themselves and, out there like the that. Part, in fear of being roasted. I just ignored it. And it's point. not even that like I'm afraid of being roasted. I'm afraid of starting it and then 
you know, two, three, five, ten episodes in, all of a sudden I'm like, okay, what do I do now? You know, I don't. Yeah, I, see, I've I don't already covered. Like, I've you, already covered. You know, that's when you just think of like small off the. It doesn't even have to be a ten minute video. It can be a five minute video. Yeah. Like, Honestly, I think the the best videos that gain the most traction are four minutes and like twenty one seconds. There's a lot of people that keep it to that format. Yeah. I think there's something to that that they figured out that we haven't. Because more people are willing to sit down and watch that real quick. Like, oh, okay, here's Attention a four. Attention span is, yeah, is costly real estate. Here's a four minute video sure. on how to how this guy treats a respiratory infection. Let's see how he does it. You know, and then we yeah. have Billy's episode of this YouTube channel. It's an hour long. Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> that was a long video. You're that telling was, me I'm was, the one who had to put it all together and it was, edit it. It was fun though. That was that was good. That was video. trimmed. That was an hour yeah, that edited. Was trimmed. Yeah. <laughs> I think it was about two hour and forty five, maybe two hours long. No, not even hour and a half. About twenty minutes of that was when Billy's mom came in while we were <laughs> recording and talked to us for a while. Oh, that was hilarious. She's a trip. She is. That was great. Yeah, so I, just... I feel like when I do my, my live streams, I try to keep it to a half an hour at most because, like, people come in late and people only stay for, like, 15 minutes tops, but sometimes people are 15 minutes late. Mm-hmm. And I find that seems to be, like, a good number for a live stream. Mm-hmm. Anything more than that, it just, like, drags on because then people can catch up um, and, like, watch it later. And, you know, if you're going to watch a live stream later, you can skip through it like 15 seconds at a time here and there skip it click mm-hmm. it double click you know do that you just you still get the gist of it so For sure. um, that kind of ends up being like a good number well it's just neat because every week it's like I'm in there and I see a lot of the same people I see Ryan I see Carly I see uh, oh yeah you know there's a handful but there's almost always someone new each time like I see a new name right even yeah. if they're only there for a second, you know, and they're gone, it's it's just it's cool to see it kind of growing and taking off, and it's it's cool. I think we talked about doing something similar on a regular basis, but we can't even pop out pre-recorded videos on a regular basis. So. Yeah, dude, it's we we'll, we talk we talk it's way too much. It's not me. We're not. What do you mean it's not? It's, it's not, you. dude. It's you never. I'm always ready to do videos. Well, then you can say something too. Be like, hey, I want to record today. Um, well, the, yeah, the pre-recorded stuff takes planning. You have to, yeah. like, you make sure you've got your lights and everything ready and, like, you know what you're going to put together for content-wise. You can't just film, like, right. well, I guess you could film random stuff if that's, like, your your gig. But, um, like, that's why I, I do the live stream consistently, but I don't have, like, a consistent posting schedule mm-hmm. of any sort of, like, pre-recorded videos. Because that, like, for me, I feel like if I'm going to, like, premeditate a product or something like that i want to plan it out with lights involved and like the right setting and just kind of do a little bit more than just like freestyle it which works for a live stream because that's the damn point of a live stream right mine's a little bit of both when i do mine like i I think of a topic and then i write down some little bullet points on my phone and then as i'm doing the video i just go through them and then i i edit out a lot of there's a lot of stuff and like a lot of pauses in those videos that I do, yeah. that I edit out. No, that's perfect. It, perfect. And I've gotten a like, pretty good great. formula now. Yeah, it, it's it's not nearly no, as brutal it's... as it was. The first few, I was like, man, this is really awkward. But then I've now I'm like, I'm flying through Premiere and stuff, and I'm just burning burning through videos, and they're not a problem anymore. And it could be something as yeah. simple as like the video I did of you know top things I need in my snake room. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to do one on like hacks of like. Hey, if you need deli cups, there's these awesome, awesome ones at Dollar Tree that are five for a dollar, and just stuff like that. And uh, wait, what kind of deli cups? Little plastic. 
deli cups, like the same ones that you have for the water dishes and the baby condros. Uh, the little eight ounce. Uh huh. They have Mad Dollar Tree. Yeah. See, I didn't even five know for that. a dollar. See, there that's what go. I'm talking about. Great. Like small <laughs> stuff like that. That's not like super important to you yeah. know the safety and health of the animal, but it's like you know you don't have to spend a ton of money on this yeah. when you have this. And there's just a few things in that room that float around that I'm like, I need to do a video on these. Never thought, crank about, them out. never thought about checking Dollar Tree. Dude, Dollar Tree and Family Dollar and Dollar General are your best friends. That's where I get a lot of tubs. That's where I get those cups. Uh, puppy pads are pretty cheap there. Um, nice. Yeah. All I'll kinds of stuff. I'll check it out. Friendly Neighborhood DGs. Yeah. I think, I, I think I'm going to get more into YouTube uh, when I when I move out of the place that I'm in, I'm the owner of my house is selling. So I have to be out come, you know, at the latest, the end of August. I'm so hoping what are to, you doing in my house? <laughs> yeah. I'm hoping, I'm hoping to be out at the beginning of August. And once, once I do that, <laughs> <laughs> once I get out, um, you know, I kind of have something in the works at the moment. So we'll see. Um, but if everything goes as planned, I'll actually have a reptile room. And nice. when I have that, I'm going to be doing a lot of rearranging. Um, I've been, I've been thinking, would... I've been thinking a lot and I think I'm going to take the poor man's rack to a whole new level. Uh Oh, and Enlighten uh, me. I think I'm going to do a lot of setups with, uh, the, the Draco portals for smaller tubs mm -hmm. and yeah. just run belly heat. Yeah. Run belly heat on a lot of them and just do what like, size tubs. um, those, like the ones that I have in there, the, uh, like you know, the, the, you know, the big one that you, the, the big, big one that you made. The, yeah. Yeah. They have smaller versions of those exact tubs oh, and there's, they? yeah, they have a, a smallish one that's about the floor space of a 15 quart but it's really tall hmm. and then they have that's one that's nifty. about the floor space of a 32 quart but it's the same height as the other one hmm. so i think those would work really well for draco porter portals so after you know say we hatch something out i have them all in six quarts for the time being pick out my holdbacks and then the holdbacks go into the 15 mm -hmm. court with, you know, perch plants, all that good stuff. And then upgrade from there. Upgrade. Brahms is killing it, man. He is huge. That Python huge portal I got out. from him. Every time I walk in that room and look at that thing, I'm like, man, dude, I want to hold, so good. I want a whole stack of those, you know, cause, and I'm, I see what I see is those wire racks we have. And then just like, you know, the different size tubs with mm -hmm. the Dracos and then those all, you yeah. know, all stacked up, man. I think it look, I think it could look really good. I'm going to get the next ones I get are going to be for the Amazons. Yeah. Yeah. And it's then that, a, that, theme, that little Biok. Yeah. So I still I, have a, a whole box of nine of those butterfly. Yeah. Uh, I got some of those too. I'm going to put those on a, he sent me a bunch of those a while back and I used one of them in a, that temporary tub where I tried the U thing mm -hmm. with that male that didn't work out as well as I hoped it would, but yeah, I've got, I I've got to, a couple of those I to, to finally set those up. Yeah. I want to put them on these natural perches I have in this setup with that, that male Biok. Mm -hmm. I want to try those. I don't, I'm worried. I'm going to, if I drill through that, uh, crepe myrtle that I'm going to crack it though. Cause it's yeah, not very thick. That will, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't touch that. That, that stuff's beautiful. That's beautiful. Yeah. Perching. I you have some in my trunk still. I'm gonna That's start, very nice stuff, I'm going to start man. trying to collect it, and I might start selling some if anybody's interested. Yeah. You should. That's the hard, hardwood, good perching like that is very hard to come by, and yeah. that stuff is really nice. 
That's really good stuff. I got a yeah. buddy that owns a tree company. I'm gonna tell him if he if he finds any and start snagging me some. Scrap some just scrap pieces of crate. When they trim them, or I was gonna actually do that, or I was gonna ask him about showing me how to go about trimming them, and then if I drive by a house or something and someone has one that's really overgrown, being like, "Hey, I'll trim this for free as long as I can take whatever." Yeah. Which, who's gonna have a problem with that? Yeah. No. You know, Not many. Throw usually. it all in the back seat of my Toyota Avalon yeah. and ride <laughs> off into the sunset. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> Nothing suspicious. <laughs> yeah, nothing, nothing at all. When those things bloom, they smell horrible. Oh, really? Yeah. Dang. Well, my my parents have a gigantic one. It's like the biggest one I've ever seen. And it was right outside my bedroom window. And every like spring, when that thing bloomed, dude, it smells weird. Jeez. I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> Crazy. Like feet and grapes. Feet and grapes. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's it's, very descriptive. It's strange. <laughs> very specific, I should say. Feet and, feet and grapes. That, that's how he used uh, to describe a copperhead musk. No, that just smells yeah, like straight you know, feet. Yeah, you told me feet, and I was like, it smells like feet. I was like, oh, that's that's. I don't. I don't know. Like feet. everybody's feet smell different, you know. But then that day, feet. that day he had the copperhead out, and it must. And I, yeah, it's oh, yeah. it's feet. That it's thing's feet. all of like mm-hmm. what a foot and a half. Yeah, and that thing will clear dude, out a room. Yeah, but. Swampy snakes, dude. They do it. They do it. Anything that doesn't eat just mammalian or bird. Yeah, anything that eats fish or insect. Oh, dude. (laughs) (laughs) rodeo musk, dude. There is. Oh, man. That's. Yeah, too gnarly. Amazon musk still is at the top of my list. It smells like burnt plastic or burnt hair. You know, the one musk I've had that I've actually didn't mind was the Chinese king rat snake. You mentioned that. It was like, it wasn't like, it's not like I enjoyed the smell, but like it wasn't so bad. Oh, Febreze. (laughs) Yeah, no, it didn't smell, (laughs) didn't smell good. I bathroom to smell like this after I pooped. Yeah. Uh, Is this Bath and Body Works? It it by no means, (laughs) it by no means smelled good, but to me it just kind of smelled like dark chocolate. Like a bad dark chocolate for some reason. I don't know. It was weird. Whatever, boy. It was, dude. Whatever. It was. It was the most odd smelling musk I'm I've ever. Take your word for it. it you was... should get more of those. What Chinese kings? Yeah. I would. I would get a pair of Chinese back. kings. I saw some on Fonny today. Dude, don't even tell me that. I, w- I do want Chinese kings I'll again. I'm not gonna right lie. Now. I do. I would. I would like a pair. Um, I'm not even gonna lie. But, but yeah. So things are gonna be changing here soon once we get into the new place um so i mean i'm excited for that i got a i got a lot of a lot of gears turning in my head so you know it would be cool if we did a segment called cool find of like the week where we find the coolest ad or something of something neat on fauna or king snake be like i found this <laughs> Sure, that's, yeah okay that that's a cool. no that's dude, a no there, never mind dude there Forget was you know what you you know what you could do actually uh in that same thread is you could just talk about things to pay attention to when searching through these third-party classified pages and websites yeah, and how to be that, an informed buyer how to be an informed youtube seller, video right to, there see and that wouldn't even have to be whatever you gotta whatever format you're into yeah because that's that is something that people should learn how to do like there is something to the the customer service angle when it comes to snakes in a digital indirect format there is something to being a polite respectful informed buyer 
in this format and everything in between and how to handle yourself appropriately and safely too so you don't get scammed or so you deal with you know a jerk off yeah, yeah. there yeah, is gonna be a, a new idea. there is a new website i saw a new marketplace yeah you're telling me oh wait a new marketplace yeah. like to sell yeah what i'm trying oh, i'm trying to remember the name that Miwi's thing no 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 this is a completely separate <laughs> website uh See if I can find it. It's it's gonna it's not fauna. It's not king snake, but it's gonna be classifieds, and I think it's gonna be free. If that be means legit. anything anymore. Sending you photos yeah. of the zebra and the super zebra right Dude, now. These are the males that just came Dude, out. Dude, the zebra though. What? That's a male. That's the that's the male. I have a female that hatched out just like that too. Dude, let me get it. All right, we'll talk later. Let me let me let me let me snag that. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I, I digress. I digress. <laughs> Dude, those things are lights out, though, man. That's that's nuts. Yeah, they got a little kink down there on that uh yeah the male he uh it's like a it's dude it does like a full freaking right angle and then like the nub <laughs> it looks like a hook that <laughs> yeah check this out well bam <laughs> oh my god that looks oddly familiar to <laughs> that me. looks gnarly dude damn <laughs> yeah so <laughs> that looks oddly familiar to me ah, i just got <laughs> Oh my god. Why are you just, taking pictures of me in my private moments? I, I wish anybody listening could see the picture that Riley just sent us. Oh my god. That sucker god. goes high into the if, right. If anybody hits me up and says, I would like to see the photo associated with, and I quote, that looks oddly familiar. Via. Justin Smith. <laughs> I will know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, no, it's photo. like it's uncanny. <laughs> oh the size, God, the uncanny. shape. Uncanny. <laughs> you have no idea. Dude, stop. <laughs> Good God. Oh man. There are Jack Russell that have me beat by it's, a long it, shot. It, it's in <laughs> The best part is it's it's in Riley's hand. For it the, is in Riley's the, hand. Riley. Well, no, that's dude. what it looks like. <laughs> When someone gets when I get a hold of it. Is that what it looks like in yeah, your hand? Do it like I do it like backwards. <laughs> I hold it awkwardly. Oh my god, I'm sweating. I can't tell you why. I'm sweating. Some <laughs> things, some things are best left unknown. Let's I save just, some mystery for the good th- people. This whole this whole conversation was best left unknown, Justin. I'm not gonna I mean, look. <laughs> that's like that's Saturday night. <laughs> this is about to get weirder than carpet fest. Oh my god, no, I don't think we're gonna get that weird. That got that got super weird. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You're telling me, look what I have to deal with. Look at it. <laughs> Tell me it's weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Looks like a fucking Timberland shoelace. <laughs> Shut up. Stop. I can't breathe. Oh, well. <laughs> moving on. Um. Well, guys, this is episode forty-five. No. <laughs> Just play it. No. Oh, that was uh. Oh, that was uh. That so, was too much information there, Smitty. Hey. 
You guys are sending me pictures of my own pictures. <laughs> what? I have no idea what you're talking about. Please. All right. Yeah. So Ooh, since Riley sent them to us, okay. does that mean you sent them to him? <laughs> and he just... How dare you? Riley, I thought we had trust. This is a trust fall. You. Just that little how dare you. We were distant brothers once. I thought I could trust you. The bond is broken. Oh. Jake, when the we're done, can broken. you help pull this knife out of my bag? <laughs> it hurts. Right, it's wedged right. in there real good. Right, That's what she said. For a long time. <laughs> <laughs> God. <With that. laughs> Obviously, with yours, it wouldn't be. Hey. Um. <laughs> oh, damn. Oh, man. Okay. Damn. Let's like when Darth Maul got cut in half and fell down the hole. Di digress. Digress. Slid his Achilles. <laughs> so, how's it been working at a pet shop? Well, I won't even say so, pet shop because it's like reptile specific. It's a right? reptile shop. Yeah, it's pretty much all reptiles. I mean, we do have fish, um, but we did have like a, a small mammal section, and because nobody ever went there, it uh, disappeared and became more reptiles. Turned into f the feeder section. Yeah, um, no, it really did. The houses that were on sale have moved into the feeder rack and the breeding and so on. Um, That's so bizarre. No, it's, so you I'm would think it would be the opposite. Week. Well, no, the, you know, like a couple people bought hamsters and like we held food and things like that for them, but otherwise, like there isn't much of a market for it, which is fine by me because that, that right, sucks. Right, more um, more space for more cool stuff. Yeah, so the owner is a pretty. Oh, okay. okay Mike, we, the computer we froze. We blanked. Are you still there? Yeah. Why is it? Hold on a second. Why is it not? Check. Okay. We're Check good. one, two. Jacob broke it. I didn't do anything. I think it's because Facebook's open. Zuckerberg is listening. Oh, no. <laughs> We're not selling any animals. <laughs> We're not yeah. selling anything. Don't <laughs> ruin us. Not gonna, and there's going to be some guy that says, Where, what, how much is it? What's the price? Get out of here. Not <laughs> Shoot. You're going to say the word for sale on a podcast. Your house is going to blow up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, he's probably no, watching but... us with drones right now. He's <laughs> in your computer. Uh, <laughs> uh, the shop is cool because I'm only there once a week. So it's like it's really low key and it's on one of my two days off from the zoo. And uh it's a totally different atmosphere, and I usually go in a little bit before we open, then I work until we close, and I just kind of take care of all the animals in the enclosures, and uh, because of the area it's in, it's not like there's people in the shop all day. It's, it's pretty quiet a lot of the time, and uh, we have some regulars. We have a few people that just like to come in because the shop's only been around for like a year, and they've just heard things about it, and mm -hmm. the owner, he doesn't. He doesn't do a lot of mainstream stuff. Like he still has fish, but he keeps like oscars and cool like little freshwater sharks and turtles and you know tadpoles that will morph out into like leopard frogs and things like that. And he just he he's a he's a herp guy himself, so he doesn't like keep much of the basic stuff. Like he understands what things people really want. Yeah. You know, we do a lot of feeders, crickets. Mealworms, superworms, roaches, hornworms, um, you know, all that stuff. But he also breeds uh, sailfin dragons, blood pythons, ball pythons, 
He had his first ring pythons hatch out this year. He breeds Womas. He's got some blackheads that he's, you know, working on breeding once he gets the right male for his big old females. And he's bred water monitors and Argus monitors. He's had all sorts of different things like that. So it's it's a very eclectic collection. You know, we've got monkey tails in there, basilisks, tokes, Helmahera geckos, um, just, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. Um, captive-born and bred savannah monitors, captive-born bred Argus, like frilled dragons, just all this cool stuff, tortoises, fish, everything. And uh, But it's in a small shop, but he can pretty much get anything, but he breeds a lot of this stuff. And uh, he's able to keep prices competitive, so people really enjoy coming to us. It's just a low-key fun time. It's very different. You know, it's like retail without the stress, mm-hmm. but with a dash of, like, animal care touched in right right and so for me that's like you know the animal care is sort of second nature the the retail and talking to people and customer service is something that i had to work on and like i learned that from the shows with the shop in santa barbara for like five years so for me it's just like going to some place to hang out for like seven hours during the day do a little bit of work but it's not anything different than i'd be doing at home because like once I clean all the animals and feed everything on the floor or the other guy hops onto it, I go into the back and I take care of all the snakes and the rats and right. all the babies and I take care of all the feeder rats that are also back there and you know, I clean his adult blackheads and his adult bloods and his beaded lizards and his, like ball pythons. <laughs> I get nailed all the time by these ring pythons. <laughs> all these really amazing ants. Dude, ring pythons Dude, Casey Cannon posted about those that, today. Yeah. He's like, my hands are they hurt. <laughs> they, they punch. They just punch you when they bite. Like they have small little heads, and they grab on, and but it's just annoying. They're, they're kind of assholes. Jeez. Um, but he hatched a couple of them out this year. He got two babies so far. They're like, they're kind of tough to breed. So, but um, it's a lot of fun, man. It's uh, it's different, and the nice thing is because he is a herp guy himself. Um. And he does keep unique animals. They typically need rather unique requirements. And so we're not selling just really basic animals to people that just have the money come fork it up. Like people come talk to us and uh, because we don't have, a, I mean, we have some basic things. Like we do sell ball pythons and we do sell, you know, occasionally we'll have corn snakes or Mexican black kings or like bearded, we ha- always have bearded dragons horses things like that but um for the most part we we tend to attract a buyer that needs to be informed and uh we we often refuse animals to people or or we'll just talk to them in a certain way that we encourage them the appropriate care and usually that's too much for a lot of people right yeah how do you even go about doing that like without being being awkward Dude, it's really easy. I've got it down to a science. So when people come in, they start telling you they want this, they want this. What you need to do is you need to ignore what they've just told you. And you need to ask them directly what sort of place you live in, like how much room do you have, like what are you looking for in a pet? Do you want something, like what do you want? And you can usually split their hairs a little ways and sort of figure out exactly what their intentions are and what they're 
their like resources are within a couple questions and then you can steer that conversation in a way where if they are going to spend the money and purchase something you're going to give them the best chance at success otherwise if they start going for these flashy things like i had a gentleman come in one day and he's like i saw on the website he had all these photos and he started showing me them on his phone and it's the owner's black dragon not for sale uh his sailfin dragons a colony of eight of them not for sale hmm. he does have babies for sale but he will not let anybody just come in and buy his babies those things are a difficult lizard to keep so mm -hmm. he's very particular about that but this guy comes in and he has the best intentions but i start asking him these questions and it's really easy once you figure out how to make sure people get the appropriate animals for what they need you can really just direct them in a way and oftentimes if it leads to them walking out they're usually walking out saying, okay, well, I'm going to do a little more research. I'm going to go, you know, look some more things up. And they don't spend any money with you. And that means they don't leave with an animal that's going to go, like, get yeah, basically yeah. killed. Um, this guy wanted a freaking black dragon. And he was looking at, he wanted to spend 100 bucks, And he sees Rudy on there. And this is an adult female black dragon. He's like, how can I get one of those? It's like, well, those, that's a $2,500 lizard and really needs to know what you're doing. And he's like, Oh, I just want something to put in a tank in my bedroom to look at at night. I'm like, oh, buddy, you should get a poster. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. You should keep a box of just rubber lizards from Walmart and be like, oh, then I have the perfect one for you. Dude, he went through every single photo of everything that he saw on the website and was like, not for sale, not for sale. Owner's breeder, not for sale, not for sale you can't handle that you can't handle that here's the reasons why yada 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 he left and didn't spend a dime and that's fine you know why because the owner doesn't rely on this um this shop for income whatsoever this is extra he mm -hmm. he has two businesses already that he runs one's a family business one's a crossfit gym so he does there's a family thing with lots of like tractors supply stuff and, and like heavy machinery and then he started his own gym locally because he's into a lot of fitness. And then because he's been into reptiles for so long, he figured, well, I have this huge variety. I have a pretty big need for space. He was running an outhouse in the back of his, his house that he owns. So he has like a separate room, like a shed in the back. And he outgrew it pretty quickly. And so he was going to need a space anyway. He said, why not? make it like a half zoo half reptile shop so he has a whole wall of like these big lizards and cool things that are just basically not for sale there's animals his breeders he's got a bunch of them in the back he'll produce a few animals to put on sale out there but he really still does work with what he loves and then he has the retail side of it all the products the good bedding he has a good relationship with lindy johnson that freedom breeder so he gets a lot of the freedom breeder cocoa blocks He's got a great relationship with all the other suppliers. So he's got Zilla, Zoomed, like all these awesome products, and then some, a lot of local stuff too. And it's a small, really humble shop, and he's able to offer great prices because he's not leaning on it for profits in any yeah, way. Yeah, yeah. We've been open for over a year. He's been able to turn a profit in the first year. It's not much, but it's some. It's more than enough to keep the doors open. And he doesn't lean on it, and we're able to offer beyond competitive prices and a great variety of people. Honestly, it's like the best way a pet shop should be done because he doesn't have to cut corners on um, biosecurity. He doesn't have to like, you know, cut corners on the healthy animals. Mm -hmm. He's got a great relationship with the vet locally, so he'll take a leopard after the vet if he has to. Um, 
and it's you know like sometimes the lizards get the cages really dirty because if you put a colony of monitors and or things like that in a cage they get the glass dirty and so sometimes people aren't really aware of that but a couple of the big lizards man those sail fins they get those cages dirty but that's just how it is mm-hmm. yeah it's to um, be expected with with some of them <laughs> but it's it's fun because people come in all the time and like oh this is my first time being here you guys were here and I came by and they like spend an hour just looking at all the different lizards and monitors and things like that and he's got like tegus albino tegus that are like breeding <laughs> people just come in and watch breeding Jeez. it's awkward yeah, it <laughs> sucks awkward, man yeah. because every time I see a new shop or something like that I, I get excited and I, I at least I used to now I just go in I'm fully expecting it to be like really disappointing you know, really expensive prices, really subpar uh, care. care you it's know, it's the hard products to do, they're man. Carrying it really is. It really is. Ever, I feel like any guy who tries to go out of their way and open a shop, they always start with the best of intentions, whatever it is. It's hard to do. You, like, have to bring in a lot of money and then make a lot of money and spend a lot of money. It has to be consistent, and it's just—it's just not like a really consistent, huge market because it's not an essential. It's—it's it's an extra. Like keeping pets is not an essential to survival, so it's not one of those industries that just like across the board survives. Yeah, right? it's not. It's at not least, like at least that. for personal shops, you know, because it's when you have a personal shop like that, you know, a lot of your business is going to be on you know products. You know, it's not necessarily just going to be animals. And even though it's going to be a big part of it, you know, and if you're just running, you know, a single mom, pa shop, you know, pet shop, it's, it's, it's almost impossible to compete with places like well, PetSmart like and Petco, like we you know, mentioned as far as in the earlier episodes is in order to pull that off and actually make it work, you have to carry everything. Yeah. Like if that's your sole income, you can't just have yeah. snakes and lizards. Yeah, you can't you just... have to have fish, small mammals, like yeah. Yeah. products for all of it. You know, you yeah. have to carry everything. Right. So. But yeah. if you're so in a position like him where he can, you know, yeah, he's no, that would be the life, you know, if you could, if you, if you didn't have to rely on that to survive, then yeah, golden, you know, that'd be, yeah, that'd be I mean, fantastic. He, he works, he works seven days a week because he's doing his other two jobs and then he's here in the afternoons or the mornings or on the days off or just like constantly running around doing stuff. Right. Um, so he's he's a he's a very young busy dude he's a couple of years older than me but he's just like that's that's his thing he hustles and he's uh he's pulling off what most people told him he couldn't do because it's hard to you know most reptile shops in the area are 15 20 miles outside of the capital they're like in other towns nearby it's just hard and he's he's found a great way to do it because he's in the right position to do it it just happens to be a dude who's like in that sector already so it works yeah. out to everybody's benefit it's great for sure faux show faux show we are at our mark yeah i was about to say it's, it's getting a little getting a little late for us on on our uh you're off Easter tomorrow. End. shut up yeah i am off tomorrow i got stuff to do actually I'm working no, tomorrow. i gotta I'm working i do have to work too. i have to work my second job tomorrow so what time do you have but to get up i don't have to get up early Exactly. I get up at five thirty Monday through Thursday. All right, so shut I up. I wake up at eight. <laughs> Ooh. All right, Riley, <laughs> my friend. 
Yeah, wake up at eight. So shut you. up. Yeah. Ooh, I wish I could wake up. You at guys, eight. you guys are, are freaking. Love you guys. <laughs> Love you too, man. This is <laughs> oh Riley's revenge. Too much fun. Oh this yeah, fun. I love it. Well worth the wait. Oh I yeah. Wasn't, I wasn't very vengeful. I'm not gonna lie. I don't. I don't like. Uh, I don't like. Feel like I was. Uh, vengeful. I don't. I don't know, man. This episode. I, I didn't slayed. get after anyone. Yeah, we didn't get after anyone. But this episode slayed pretty it good. Just, it's Riley's revenge. Good. It's alliteration. That's all that matters. Yeah. I'm happy. Yeah, no, that's true. It's catchy. I think I would think we got to get this one up to the most the most listens. So I don't know, see. dude. Borden's at the at number Borden's, one. Still. Borden's still uh, sitting on. Sitting no on top. one has topped Borden. Harlan is right behind him by about seventy listens. Seventy. Scott's Scott's good, man. He he really knows how to stir the pot. Yeah, Scott Scott's a trip, man. That dude is. Did you hear that? So he was telling me at Carpet Fest, somebody like was like really ripping him in some comments and saying like he was virtue signaling and just doing all the shit, which is hilarious because he's the one who posted the blog that I like authored about virtue signaling and he posted about it and they like were saying, ah, you're virtue signaling. Oh my God. All this bullshit and they were ripping at him. And today I thought of him because some, some vet or some vet tech got on my super zebra post and was like, Oh my God! Why are you trying to breed something that has a propensity for kinking? Oh like, my God! Well, actually, I was I was talking about outcrossing it and strengthening it, so we produced that. But um, I'm glad to hear your stance on breeding bulldogs is so ethical and moral. Yeah, yeah. Like let's play this game. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a good time. Yeah, Scott's episode is at 781. Harlan's at 707, and then P and Cody's episode is at 660. That's number three. Oh, they deserve so much more credit, man. And then There's, Eric I mean, not, not is to say Yeah, no, all good ones. All deserve to be yeah. at the top. And then Kai, Kai's monitor episode is number five. Oh. oh interesting. Cool. Yeah, interesting. That was, good, little... that was a good episode. And see, that's yeah. all. That's just SoundCloud, though. We have no idea. Yeah, yeah that's just SoundCloud. I don't know what the other, okay. Okay. The other stuff is. But... All right, Riley. We really appreciate where you coming can on, brother. Find you? Yeah, where can everybody find you? Not like everybody doesn't already know, but oh, you know, <laughs> Facebook, Instagram, uh, YouTube. I'm usually under just Riley's Reptiles. Um, nothing fancy. Uh, I think on Instagram it's just like Riley's underscore reptiles. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. cool. I'm there. You can find me. I'm pretty active. So if you've been Hit living if you've been living under a rock for the past long time and you don't know who Riley is, that's how you find him. Um, but I yeah, doubt that's gonna up. be the case. <laughs> but if, if I if you hit me up and I and I'm not responding back to you right away, it's because I don't have normal weekends and a normal work schedule. And <laughs> and <Would> I you... <laughs> And I work at a zoo, and I usually have crazy days and schedules, so if yeah. I'm too busy to text there, that's because I'm working. Sorry. Yeah. It's not personal. <laughs> I'm offended. Hurry up and answer me. <laughs> I messaged you 30 seconds no, ago about I, an animal for sale. Why aren't you responding? I'm cleaning 16 turtle pools. Hold on. <laughs> give me give me four hours. <laughs> yeah, let me talk to you in, like, uh, nine hours. Yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> So, all right man. man thank you so much for coming on again we'll have you on for riley's Re- revenge 2.0 riley's revenge Dude. the return the return <laughs> i appreciate it you guys yeah, like man. you guys are uh you guys are my boys I- i'm so stoked to uh to be back on here again 
I yeah, love it. Ooh, that was a good one. I oh, like that. I missed it. What did you say? Return yeah, of yeah. the Jedi. Return of the Jedi. <laughs> that was a good one. I dig it. Oh my it. god. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. Thank you guys for having me on, and thank you for uh, for continuing to be another one of those staple podcasts that's out there that puts out good content. Um, I feel like the uh, the digital media of reptiles is continuing it, and anything that helps get, keep it going in like an educational, positive way will help uh, the survival of our hobby in the long run. Yeah, man. And uh, th- this is one of those ways to do it: spread good information, not uh, sensationalism and and just knuckleheadness. Yeah. And uh, you can you can hashtag knuckleheadness. Is, uh, <laughs> knuckleheadness. I don't know if that's a word. It is now, but no, I, I really do appreciate that you guys. Do this. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we appreciate Thanks, the, we appreciate the kind words, man. We, uh, we definitely put it, put in time and, uh, effort and all this. And, uh, it's nice. Yeah, to, it's a lot of work. Yeah. I believe it for sure. Yeah, appreciate you guys are that. Awesome. Appreciate that, man. Keep doing what you're doing. Stay awesome. Keep on killing it out there. I'll do my best. All right, brother. We'll <laughs> talk to you soon. Alrighty, later right, guys. Man. Bye. Episode forty-five, everybody. Was that forty-five? That, that was forty-five. Oh, I got it right. Well, another episode in the books. Thank you to Riley Jimson for coming on. Uh, freaking love Riley. Great guy. We talked to Riley a lot. Yeah, we talked to Riley daily. He's a really good friend of ours. Um, so awesome dude doing some really great things in the community and uh he's gonna keep killing it love riley to death that dude's like hard i've only met him in person that dude's like a brother to me great guy what am i you're like a sister fair enough yeah <laughs> you're like the, I accept you're like that. the sister i do like though like the sister you never had I mean, I do have the two big sisters. sister you never. Had. I do have two older sisters. <laughs> well, anyways, anyways, if you were not following the podcast on Instagram or Facebook, what the hell are you doing? Yeah, Herpeticulture Podcast, That's Facebook, right. Instagram. And then if you need to, you need to follow you need the show. Platforms. You got SoundCloud, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes. Podbean. Podbean. It's on Podbean. Yeah. I think it's updating automatically. I don't know where our Podbean yeah. account came from, but we have one. Yeah. Oh, cool. It showed up out of nowhere one day. Cool. So, and all the episodes, I'm still slowly working on getting them on yeah. YouTube. Check us out on YouTube as well. <laughs> and as we, Podcast TV. Yes. As we said before, check out shirts. We have a lot of different styles. They're on Teespring. We are Scaled Apparel. There should be a link down below. Link in the, in the thing. In the descriptions. Check Thanks it out. again. Fish Egg Diagnostics. Pia. Pia and Dr. Susan. Yes. Thank you guys for being awesome sponsors. And as always, this is Jacob Bratz with J.O.B. Morelia. This is Justin Smith with Palmetto Coast Exotics. This has been another episode of the Herpeticulture Podcast. And as always, share knowledge, not night Chris. Ooh, why does that never get old? <laughs> it doesn't. <laughs> like, remember the post I made? I was like, I hope you all heard me and Justin me oh, and Smitty yeah, yeah, yeah. singing that. <laughs> Those right. harmonies. Harmonies. Bone thugs and harmony. Killing, killing it. Alright. I got to get. It's late. You're telling me. Alright. Thanks, everybody. Later, y'all. Peace. Peace.
last time.